the new flesh podcast a podcast about horror movies and all things tangentially related to the horror lifestyle my name is joe avella at joe avella on instagram my name is brett arnold at brett redacted on twitter and we are here today to talk about a new i think still in limited release uh soon to be released i guess on amazon video because it's an amazon studios production uh suspiria the 2018 version uh, remake of the or not, remake's a bad word because it's mm-hmm. it's not really it, it's a it's an, a reimagining of Dario sure. Argento's uh, late 70s classic Suspiria. Yep. Uh, so we're here to talk about Suspiria and also am uh, actually funnily enough an, another Amazon product. We're here to talk about. Uh, a show starring maybe probably the first TV show that Julie Roberts has ever done. I want to say, or in terms yeah, of like not so. a cameo role. I know she had like, you know, I think she was a guest mm-hmm. on friends if I recall. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think she's ever uh, starred in a show and she's in the show called homecoming, mm-hmm. uh, which is now on Amazon. And we'll talk mm-hmm. about why, uh, why that's relevant to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw lots of other stuff, but yeah, those, that's the main event. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're back. I saw him. I saw a handful of things. We're finally back in the same digital room after what seems like a month apart. Brett, how have you been, buddy? Um, it's been <laughs> an interesting month. Um, mm. I think I talked about my cat troubles uh, mm-hmm. uh, about probably about a month ago, um, mm-hmm. and then basically deja vu. The same thing happened again with uh, one of my cats. She ate another giant hunk of rubber that we have sent, you know, we've since had the apartment deep cleaned to remove mm-hmm. random shit that she may have eaten. But this mm-hmm. cat has something we think it's called like Pika or Pika disorder, which is just like uh, an interest in eating things that are not food. Jesus. It's a thing that people have. It's like on TLC, one of those shows. Like it's a Oh no. Is your, is your cat going to get a, get a Bezor? <laughs> um, no, I don't. We're just trying to eliminate the issue of having shit around. Um, of course, I'm not worried about it in the future, like when we're living mm-hmm. by ourselves. But until we're, you know, until we're out of an apartment with a dog that like has t- mm-hmm. toys that get chewed up and like there's stuff lying around, uh, yeah. it's going to be a hazard, and we have to be very careful. Um, but we've got solutions. I bought nice. like you know a timed feeder to like deliver food to her throughout the day, so she's not just like ravenously looking around. Um, oh, that's good. We've got a lot of things going on. But and she's fine. Basically, she had another surgery, and thank Ugh. God I have insurance because like yep. uh, it was very, very, very expensive. But I um, can imagine. Yeah, dude, I know you can. Uh, you don't <laughs> have to imagine. It happened. Yeah, that's um, right. So, so yeah, they get another our yearly reminder to the listeners: get pet insurance. It's dirt cheap, and it covers what 90 percent of the it cost. Covers ninety percent beyond yeah, two hundred dollars deductible or something. Yeah, ninety percent, and it's so pretty much that. true to that. Like, there's a couple of random things they don't cover, like. You know, they gave me prescription pet food, and it's just like it was very expensive, and I just pay for all of that. And like, they don't cover a cat plastic surgery. <laughs> they, yeah, they covered the surgery. They covered the emergency stay, which she had to do again. So basically, we had surgery, or she had surgery, and then she came back home, and then she came. Once she came back home, she was still acting weird, and turns out they like 
due to, you know, as a result of the surgery, she had, like, all this fluid in her, like, body <sighs> that, like, couldn't get through. And so they had to, like, drain it out of her. She had to stay overnight at this emergency place again, which is probably the most expensive part of all that shit. So I was reluctant it's so to, expensive. Have to do that. Yeah, but we had to. So, but yeah, uh, and, you know, insurance money already came back. Like, it's fine. But, like, oh, nice. it's also just, it's just horrible, like, to put the cat through that. It sucks. She, yeah. you know, she's back, she's back to being her normal self. It's fine. <laughs> The good news, the good-ish news, is that cats actually don't uh, develop memories the same way that we do. So it's not like she's ever going to be like, "Oh man, remember that crazy time?" I mean, remember that crazy month that I had? Yeah, yeah. yeah, She's just like not going (laughs) to not really like remember it in that way. Yeah, the vets were all like, you know, we have repeat offenders with mostly dogs. Like we've seen one dog once, like four times in a month. Like it happens, but like cats usually, it's like something they grow out of. So they hope it Mm -hmm. stops. But uh, uh, but that wasn't even the craziest part of of the week that I just had. Cause Ooh, know, what else uh, happened? Friday, uh, I was at work at four o'clock. My roommate texts me to be like, "Hey, it was like a very hap, you know, quickly thrown together text that didn't make much sense. It was just like, "Hey, I had to grab the cats, and they're in like one's in a carrier, one's in my backpack. We had to evacuate the apartment." There's like a sewer explosion and we have to leave the fire here. <laughs> what? Yeah. You didn't tell me this. Yeah, I know. Whoa. I told you. I told you I was going to tell you on the podcast. So, um, yeah. So I so then, I, of course, I rush home because the, I thought – she was basically just like I had to throw Laura in a backpack and just kind of close it or else she's going to run away. So, like, I had to, like, run home. There was a pet store down the street from us. I grabbed a new a, – a second carrier because we only had one cat carrier. So then I, you know, basically – transferred her to a carrier and then we sat outside it was pouring rain by the way (laughs) pouring fucking rain so Uh we kind of just all the entire building which is like three floors was all three floors with many dogs and many cats so we're all just standing outside uh on the corner where the corner bistro bar was uh under the awning Great sandwiches over there, by the way. Yeah, good, good spot, <laughs> good plug for Corner Bistro. Um, but the, so we basically stood outside waiting for literally, I'm not kidding, for like three, four hours. Because what happened? Uh, so uh, one of the neighbors had video of it. A man, the manhole in front of our building just fucking exploded with fire. Like there was just fire spewing out of it. And like, holy shit! Yeah, and like gas in our, and then thus like when they stopped it and put it out, like whatever happened. Like, all the shit underneath, like, whatever gas that was leaking that caused mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. then just in our basement, which is why <laughs> which is why they had us evacuate immediately. So, basically, mm-hmm. if this had happened at a weird time and there wasn't someone around to call the cops, we could have all died of a gas leak because, like, yeah, yeah it's fucking insane. None of the building's carbon monoxide detectors went off. Um, of course not. Yeah, just, like, horror. Like, we could probably sue the fuck out of these people because it was really bad and, like... Uh, the, 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 the fire department was basically like, you know, if your building's being negligent, talk to us because this shit happens all the time. Well, you know? how about the fire department does a pass? Well, hey, are they being negligent? Like, you tell me. Go in there and look. Yeah, is go it? look. Well, yeah. By, I mean, by the virtue of the fact that um, they were in the basement measuring it and they were like – it was – okay. So, like, uh, the, the first floor was, like, something like 400 parts per million was – was was carbon monoxide or whatever the de- whatever it was sure. and then like the basement was like a thousand and like it, and like there is there are there's supposed to be detectors that go off you know mm-hmm. at a uh way before that and they didn't sure so is, your, is there a wait what's in your basement because your laundry is in your in your unit um our laundry is in our actual unit our basement just like we all have stuff down there just like stored it's just, so there's uh, no there's no like there's no basement uh, apartments oh then. no it's just like a basement 
Um, Dude, your, your, your place you're in now and then the one that I was in when I still live in the Brooklyn, it was kind of the same thing of like absolute shithole by any measures of fire standards. Oh, like yeah, they both yeah. get Fs. I mean, like, yeah, like just like we had apparently smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors somewhere in our apartment. Dude, I don't know how many times in the winter I burnt some dinner, some popcorn or some shit. Nothing, just just right? lo- loaded up, loaded up our, our apartment with, with, with smoke. Uh, the neighbors across the hall from us, that guy was a huge pothead. He was fucking smoking all the time. And that never heard a thing go off fucking once. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. And then my roommates were, or not my roommates, my neighbors are all doing like sleuthing online and finding out like when the building was bought by the company and like the, all the, all the smoke detectors that are here were have all, they're all expired and like, they're all one use battery ones that like are all, and like, they're all, they were all there from like before they bought the building. They never even fucking changed anything. Like, it's just like all negligent and crazy. But basically, that night, like, so what, what happened was they... That was Friday night? Friday night, and, like, it started at, like, 4 o'clock, and then now it's, like, 8 o'clock. But, like, in the meantime, they're like, oh, we got a we got an MTA bus coming as shelter for you guys because it was raining and cold. Because um, we all had dogs and the cats just sitting there. And yeah. um, the fucking bus was supposed to be there an hour. It took, like, three or four and then, the, like, the Red Cross was supposed to show up to, like, get us, uh, get us like, a hotel. Oh, did... Because, oh, did they? Uh, they were busy dealing with – there were, like, multiple manhole fires that night. So, <laughs> so no. Jesus. They didn't get there. Uh, by the time, like, my roommate was fed up and just, like, fuck it, we have to go get a hotel. Like, these, the dog was, like, antsy, you know. The cats needed mm-hmm. to get out. So, like, we mm-hmm. just got a hotel on our own accord uh, down the street. Um, and then, basically, I got a – text from the roommates at like two in the morning or my neighbors at two in the morning that said like the building is now clear and then i foolishly went back with the cats thinking it would be better but then of course until about an hour ago since friday night they were just Mm -hmm. outside our building doing construction on the gas line like loud construction like like it was comically like like I can't even describe how loud it was for the past 48 hours. So for the listeners right now, if, the, if this podcast just cuts out at any second, then yeah. Oh, yeah. That'll, Brett's that's apartment it. exploded. <laughs> <laughs> if, I don't, if I don't promote this podcast tomorrow, I died in my sleep because Good of carbon monoxide. No, we got Good extra detectors. Like, everything's fine. They cleared the building. But, um, yeah, the I don't know what happened. It's I don't, wild, I don't, man. Uh, yeah, I don't it's quite know what happened. Stuff. It was scary. It was nuts. Never. It's so, time to move. Yeah, well, we just we, we had just signed our lease in in, in October. We're at the end of October. It's like so, like what, eleven days ago? Uh, uh, I feel I feel like you can get out of that. Uh, oh, I'm sure we could, but like we're happy here, and you know, it was more of a this city's infrastructure is old than this building is shit depart uh, mm-hmm. problem. But yeah. it also their their negligence isn't helpful. So, um, yeah, so yeah, that, that's so wild, baby. It was a crazy week. Wild stuff, buddy. Well, I did not have as eventful of a uh, week. So Joshua Tree last weekend with Mo for our anniversary, which was fun. And then I spent the rest of the week listening to the Beastie Boys book, which I cannot recommend enough. The book is awesome. Who narrated I got the, the, the audio? Uh, a bunch of people. Uh, hang on. Are you grabbing a book from a from a? Drawer? No, no. I, I was turning off the, uh, the the volume for a second because uh, wifey was coming through. Uh, Ad Rock and Mike D uh, do most of the narration, but also like John C. Riley, Amy Poehler, uh, Wanda Sykes, Tim Meadows. Like they kind of like just like every chapter is like a different person, and that it's just really really cool. cool. Oh, it's really great. So definitely recommend it. The book and the audio. Uh, I loved it. Uh, but yeah, just pretty much been kicking it. And before we get into, uh, bits and pieces, 
thanks to everyone who commented and uh, liked the uh, the Instagram post. We'll be tell we'll be uh, announcing the winner of the new flesh Halloween poster for the person who lives the horror lifestyle the most. Uh, didn't forget we'll be we'll be uh, we'll be announcing that at the end of this episode. Someone's getting a poster, and Brett, you have a T-shirt. You still need to send. Yes, uh, Kevin Gonzalez, I believe, is the name. Uh, I'm sorry. It's been probably two years, maybe more. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, in my defense, I haven't bought myself a shirt yet. I don't remember the reason. I think I wanted to buy them in bulk, and Joe just wanted to do them a la carte, and I just mm-hmm. never bought them. Uh, so I will buy myself one, and I will buy you one, and uh, I'll send you a little something extra, too. Maybe. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> In another two years. <laughs> Nothing but empty promises at this point. So I'm sure he's not holding his breath. Yeah, he's like, whatever. I stopped listening to this podcast three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. All he's right. Gone. But we, yeah. But uh, we got a lot to get into, so let's just get into it a little bit of bits and pieces, bits and pieces. Well, you want to do the first bit and piece? Uh, sure. Let me open up some tabs here. Right, well, I'll, I'll, if you don't have something ready to go, I, I, I got I got a very important bit and piece. Okay. Holler at the homies. Uh, according to Sci-Fi Wire, which is a sci- the website component to Sci-Fi Channel, the lost George Romero film yes. is getting a second chance at release. So sometime, I think, in 73, George Romero shot and I think edited a good portion of a film that he had written called The Amusement Park. Uh, no one has seen it. I don't. I think that it's just still in rough cut form. But Daniel Krauss, a writer and I believe blogger in Chicago, somehow has seen it and was on Twitter singing its praises and had really great things to say about it. Yeah, really fun thread on Twitter. So yeah, yeah. he shot the movie in 1973 between Season of the Witch and The Crazies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, uh, so the reason that uh, obviously this is horror news because uh, it's a Los Romero film. But if you do some Googling and if you go to the George A. Romero Foundation website, you can donate it towards its restoration. I did it earlier today, threw him 10 bucks. I think they're trying to raise like 50 to 80,000 to uh, get this film finished. And I think that's more than doable, considering that that's nothing that he's already fucking shot and it's in the can. And I would love, love, love to see it. So I threw him 10 bucks. Why don't you guys hop on? Hey, holidays are coming up. How about a little holiday cheer and donate to potentially being part of film history by helping bring the amusement park. George Romero's, what's the word, post, posthumous, posthumous film. Posthumous film to light. <laughs> I, I would love to see this movie. I mean, it looks, it sounds really awesome. It's it's kind of like in his uh, his his heyday when he's really just fucking hit firing on all cylinders, and uh, it's called uh, what did it say? Da-da-da-da. With the exception of Night Living Dead, Amusement Park is Romero's most overly horrifying film, hugely upsetting in form and function. Fuck yeah, I want to see this. Yeah, the, the pictures he was tweeting it just looks it looks batshit crazy. Yeah, yeah, I want to see it. Right uh, Scholar Tony Williams, who saw it 30 years ago, wrote, The film is far too powerful powerful for American society and must remain under lock and key, never seeing the light of day. Fucking A, I gotta see this movie. So come on, cough up some cash, help Romero out, and uh, let's, get, let's get the amusement park released. That's my bit in peace. Okay. Um, I've got one. So you sent me this. I want to do a fact check on an article that was just basically retracted. Uh, like hours ago. Listen um, to us, a couple of journalists over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a 
This is Spotlight now, this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ennio Morricone, the legendary composer of mm-hmm. uh, Spaghetti Westerns, who just worked with uh, Tarantino um, on The Hateful Eight. There was mm-hmm. this article that came out saying... Um, in that Playboy he, Germany. In, in, allegedly in Playboy Germany, that he mm-hmm. said Tarantino was uh, a cretin, not original, and not a real director, that he hated working with him, and all this bullshit... Um, and then he just came out with a statement, Ennio did, saying, mm-hmm. this is totally false. I have never given an interview to Playboy Germany. And even mm-hmm. more, I have never called Tarantino a cretin and certainly do not consider his films garbage. I have given a mandate to my lawyer in Italy to take civil and penal action. I consider Tarantino a great director. I'm very fond of my collaboration with him and the relationship we have developed during the time we have spent together. So Weird, right? It's not – yeah, this is the second time this has happened recently where uh, there was this other article. Um, it, it was in like some random in-flight magazine. Some, I think it was also German or – it was some foreign version of an in-flight magazine that had an mm-hmm. interview with uh, Dre, Drew Barrymore that had had a bunch of – her saying a bunch of – some sort of provocative thing. And then she came out and said, yeah, that never happened. I never did that. So like oh, I don't know man. what the deal with these – print journalism is dead. They're just making shit up at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Uh, yeah, don't, don't know what the fuck that's all about. I mean, when I read it, I was like, well, I kind of don't like Tarantino anymore and haven't yeah, for years. Yeah, I was so. like, this sounds plausible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, Tarantino, ever since the Weinstein thing and um, and all that info about how shitty he was to Uma Thurman and, and, and Kill Bill with that car accident. Yeah. And Oh, oh, and speaking of uh, Tarantino, that film that he's making, what, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? You live in Hollywood, so have you been seeing it everywhere? Yes. Yeah. Including uh, a street right around the corner from my WeWork, they like dressed it up to look like you know, uh, old movie theater, old movie yeah. posters, old my cars. My Twitter and feed like from LA people was all just like, yeah, I ran into another part of the Tarantino set today. Don't care. I mean, I don't care. I, I, I'm not gonna see it. I mean, I'll see it probably. We'll catch it later. But I've no, I'm not interested in the hype at all. Yeah, movie. I'll see it's it. Kinda I'm, weird. Ex- I'm yeah. interested in it, but um, he's let me down. I mean, I don't like Django and I don't like Hateful, so. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. He's got. I hope he's. I hope he hits it out of the park. But I don't know. It'll be speak, weird speak. to see him working like within reality, or like yeah, like, the confines of a story that actually happened. We'll see what he does I, with it. Though. And I feel like I mean, who knows if he's holding true to what he said, where he's only going to make ten movies, and this will be his ninth. Yeah, and then the Star but, Trek will be the tenth. I don't. I don't buy that at all. Well, I'm more just. I just feel like he's out of gas. Yeah, as I've said a hundred times, I think his movies got significantly worse when his editor. Sally Menke died. I think I think he has no one to check his his uh I don't even know his ego anymore or like something, but like I I would prefer if he just started directing uh other people's projects at this point. Like I I I'm not interested in his writing as much as I used to be. Like his the last two movies are very self-indulgent. Yeah, he needs to disappear for a decade. Yeah, come back uh with something to say. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, journalism or lack thereof, uh, <laughs> Vogue magazine, Vogue online, Vogue something 
tweeted out oh, uh, the stupid article that some idiot over there wrote that was like 2018 has not been a good year for horror which is just patently false yeah he wrote the headline was wasn't this supposed to be the golden age of horror this is a classic uh online journalism move quote journalism uh quote unquote yeah. journalism move yeah. uh where you just write an article for the hate clicks they knew mm-hmm. what they were doing it's something that got tweeted out and of course went viral on twitter among film twitter nerds and everyone else mm-hmm. saying like just pointing out how much of an idiot this guy is so the guy knew what he was doing. I'm sure, you know, uh, you know, they're trying to just, it's trying to just, try, they're trying to. the last likes. Yeah. I, would be, the, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if you suddenly found out that Vogue was sold to like, you know, some fucking publishing company or media <laughs> company in Cannes or something like. They're getting because, you know, I, Yeah. I, yeah. I used to, I used to not click or share shit like this because it was like, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to like give them what they wanted, which was basically a yeah. click. But now, because both of us work in media, that, hey, one viral article is not going to save your dying publication. So, yeah, I'll share it in point. I'll be like, this sucks. Like, if this thing could have gotten a million clicks, it probably netted Vogue magazine, I don't know, $8. Congratulations. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. This, this the cost-benefit analysis isn't worth it. Yeah, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. It's not. It's like, you know, you need uh, dozens of these a day to stay afloat if you are a magazine or an online print online slash print publication so yeah okay let's all let's all look at vogue right now hey yeah we heard you you're wrong fuck off but fangoria had a hilarious tweet they retweeted it and just said 2018 has not been a has not been good for fashion (laughs) it's also like i actually read it just to make sure it was like not well articulated and it's not it's just like a dumb argument because he's arguing that things like he's like hereditary is not horror and a quiet place isn't (laughs) horror it's like shut the fuck up (laughs) <laughs> that's what annoys me like the whole we've we've had this argument before i think on the hereditary episode mm-hmm. um when i had a, i think jordan hoffman on mm-hmm. and emma stefanski uh and tommy mcnamara but like we talked about All right drops <laughs> um it's just uh if hereditary say uh tony collette gets nominated for best actress this year for that movie which which mm-hmm. totally could they're uh 824 is doing a campaign for it Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible. If that happens, you're going to see a lot of tiptoeing around people saying, oh, it's not a horror movie. Because for some reason, there's this like thinking that because if something's a horror movie, it can't be quote unquote good or like worthy of Oscars, you know? So like, how about like, this? I, I also feel like people like, they think a horror movie is like a slasher or yeah, monster right. They or see it as like less than other genres, <laughs> which is so not true because like some of the best movies ever, you know, I, I think some of the best movies ever are horror movies, and horror movies always have subtext and like they're products mm-hmm. of the era they were made. Like they're movie, they're they're more than more than most movies. They're like mm-hmm. very of their time and like worth mm-hmm. worth like looking uh at in, in that lens you know, with that lens, you know. Right, and pe- people even push back where they don't think Rosemary's Baby or The Exorcist are considered horror movies. Like, shut the fuck or up. The Those Shining. are horror. Like, Prestige horror like, is horror. They're all horror. Yeah, no. That's a great way of putting it. So yeah. I just I can't I can't stand where it's just being. But also it's like 2018 was a terrible movie, for, a terrible year for horror. And a lot of it's like just being like, oh, Suspiria isn't. It did an, another annoying thing that I hate, where people just kind of like cherry pick the rules, where they're like, oh, Suspiria was was really good at critics, but not doing that well at the box office. And you're like, oh, but what about like? You mean the movie the they not- put in like three theaters? Of course it's yeah. not. 
But yeah. then you're like, oh, oh, if you're measuring it by the box office, well, The Nun did amazing, and so did uh, yeah. so did A Quiet Place. They're just like, yeah, but those movies, you know, the the, the critics hated The Nun. You're like, well, you just yeah. said that he, the critics. Yeah. Like, yeah. so what's the rule? There's no argument there. He's just a, it's yeah. just listing movies that came out and shitting on them and and just going, ways. they're not good. Yeah. And oh, also, Halloween could have been bad. My favorite off. part is when he said Halloween wasn't good, and then recommended Revenge as as being better. Revenge is yeah, also from this year. You fucking dumbass. <laughs> Sorry, I I hate this guy. I, I know it's just it really it really is the clickbaity thing, and it, it, I just don't was, respect this person's opinion. So it's I know I don't it's really it's, care. it's so obvious and and annoying, and it's like you know you obviously do some writing as well. You know what I mean? This they probably pay this guy here. Here's seventy five dollars. Go write a thing that gets noticed. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just so you can get a screenshot of like look how much. Look, this was the most traffic thing on Vogue this month. Like, I actually went to the hire guy. me, hire me, GQ to write uh, for your publication, or whatever. So, like, I went to his, the box, you know? I went to the writer's Twitter to see what uh, the reaction was to his sure. tweet version of it, because the the Vogue tweet went went viral in a bad way for them. But the tweet for him, he tweeted it out with this headline, and then had like the the copy that he wrote, which is like, there wasn't even a good shark movie this year, which I do agree the Meg was bad, but like, what is saying there wasn't even a good shark movie as if there's like shark movies every year. Like, it's such yeah. a weird sentence. But his tweet had one... <laughs> that is weird. His, I know. It's so, it was so poorly done. He had, he had, the tweet had one fave and 70 replies, which is yeah. the, what I call a beautiful ratio. Um, but as uh, <laughs> I just yelled about uh, how much I don't care about it, so we should probably stop talking about it because I right. I apparently don't care. Well, no, I mean, I mean, it, it's it's a thing of like, you know, this is this is our lane, this is our territory, you know. So to be like, for someone to to patently use patently say something false off of this like short sighted to get a bunch of traffic, so so dipshit can like hopefully use the numbers to like get more work. It's like no, fuck you. Like this has been a great this year and last year have been fucking phenomenal. For horror, as we will go over in our uh, and not just yeah, in, uh, in every raffle. meaning of the word, like the, the yeah. they've been great ones, and there have been um, critically acclaimed ones, and like just crushing it on on in all yeah. ways, truly. Uh, yeah. So fuck you, whoever wrote that. Uh, <laughs> my, my my next bit and piece, and it's more just an announcement. So we are always talking about the future of movies and cinema and entertainment in general. And you know, hey, the two things we're talking about today are from Amazon Studios or Amazon Prime or Amazon, you know, so, uh, but the long rumored, speculated, speculative Disney streaming service has a name and two big announcements. It'll be known as Disney Plus, the streaming service. Yes, following in the footsteps of Disney's ESPN Plus. Yes, and also they have announced a Star Wars and Marvel series. And this doesn't seem like, you know, it's kind of that's not really horror news. I just feel that, like, it's kind of like... It's the future wanna, of the medium news. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like the day this launches, it'll probably be like... It, I mean, already is speculated to be a competitor to both Amazon and Netflix. Normally when any property is like, we're doing a streaming service, just like, yeah, get the fuck out of my face. Like, good luck. But besides Apple... Disney is the only other company, media company in the game that, like, when this thing gets launched, it's going to fucking just throw the whole, throw everything out of whack. Which, you know, hey, great, you know, competition's good. I don't know how much horror is going to end up on Disney, but uh, it's coming. It's going to be huge because they're going to pull all Star Wars, Marvel, and Disney, anything off of every streaming service except for Disney Plus, which that right there is going to, like, 
just fucking kill the game. You know also, what I mean? you know what I just thought of that's kind of brilliant, and I don't know how long this was planned, but it's like almost it's just crazy to think about. Disney has mm-hmm. always had the quote unquote Disney Vault, where mm-hmm. they like. Yep. When, they, when they advertise, like, you know, when 101 Dalmatians, for example, mm-hmm. is, like, in theaters, then it comes out on VHS or at now, I guess, Blu-ray and DVD. Mm-hmm. They have a window. They're like, you mm-hmm. have to buy it now before it goes back in the Disney vault. That's right. The moratorium. Then they don't – because I worked at Blockbuster. This is like, people would get really mad at us. They'd be like – they'd walk in. They'd be like – walk in with their kids. like, oh, I want to get 101 Dalmatians. They'd be like, yeah, it's not for sale. And they're like, no, just, you know, whatever – like, rent it or whatever. It's like, no, you don't understand – yeah, it's gone. There's, no, you can't, you can't get like, it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Just can't, you can't buy it and it might not even be for rental or whatever. And it's like, when's it going to be available? Like, I don't know, in two years? Like, you just can't have to wait. And yeah, of course, so, the kids don't get that. And they just get really upset. It's like, sorry, kid. It almost seems like the Disney people in the past were like, one day this will this will pan out for us. Because like, they could oh really, God, yeah. they should have just called this the Disney Vault. I don't know why they didn't. It's a better name than Disney Plus, in my opinion. I, I think because Disney Vault implies it's the old stuff. I mean, they're going to be making. Hey, they own Star Wars. Yeah. So what's what's to stop them if this gets as big as Netflix? Then they make direct to streaming Star Wars movies. That's going to be fucking. I mean, yeah. The first, so we already knew about the John Favreau show. Mm-hmm. Um, catch my. I don't. I didn't read all about it. Is this the same show as the one they just announced? Because the one they just announced is a Diego, called- Diego Luna one. Uh, the John Favreau will be writing and executive producing the the Mandalorian. What's the Diego one? The Diego Lug- uh, Luna one. He he was in uh, Rogue One. He, what was his character's name? Uh, Cassian Andor. Um, okay. uh, there's a new live action series starring Diego Luna's Rebel Spy. Um, the uh, yeah. Could be because Mandalorians were rebels. It's a live action series. Uh, yes, set it's after the, the second. The it's the second one. Mandalorian's the sure. first one. So, okay. so there are already two different Star Wars shows in the works, both live action. I'm sure there's, doing, there's already yeah, a cartoon one happening now, I believe, and like there's probably more happening. Um, they're doing the they're doing the um, what's Thomas Hiddle, Hiddleston? Oh, is that his name? Is that is that real? I saw like ads. I didn't know if that was real. Uh, Loki? Yeah, he signed on to do it. Yeah, there's a Loki TV show. A Loki show developing a series based on Loki. Interesting. Wild. Isn't that wild? It is wild. It's wild times, man. I wonder. I wonder how, uh, how. I wonder how the budgets will be on those. Probably insane. It's Disney because this is going to be clearly they're doing it to just like, hey, we're here and we got dope shit. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. They're gonna want. They're gonna want that pretty upfront. They're gonna probably you know House of Cards style to be like, hey, everyone, like, we got this new thing and it's dope and you got to get the you got to get on this right away. So I'm 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 betting they're gonna put a lot of dollars behind this. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. My debate of getting it is just because the Star Wars and Marvel things obviously left me cold. But, dude, if they do a thing where they put it out and like every Disney movie is streaming, fuck yeah, I'll pay for that. That'd be great. Yeah, there's a lot of classics on there. Yeah, it even if it's just like a month, just to kind of go through and check out some old stuff. Like, it's, it's, it's really gonna, it's really gonna fuck the game up when they drop it. Yeah, it's gonna do great for them. Good um, for them. So this news is a little old by now, but we haven't talked in a while, so we'll talk about it. Um, I know this season of The Walking Dead was hyping up Andrew Lincoln's departure big time, big time, saying it's Rick's final episodes, blah, blah. And then I guess um, last week or two weeks ago, it was some big reveal. Something happened to his character on the show. I'm not sure. But AMC announced that Andrew Lincoln will star in multiple Walking Dead movies. Can't escape. Yeah. He can't escape. Let him free. Free Andrew Lincoln. Let this man out of his contract. Jesus Christ. Um, you know what? This 
to me is something that seems like a good idea five years ago, but mm. an insane thing to do now when you consider the fact that we mentioned a few weeks ago, um, The Walking Dead's audience is getting halved every year mm. for the past like mm. several years. It's just like it was once this behemoth. It's still huge, but mm. cons- you have to consider the fact that the past, I think, two or three years, it's been halved every time. So mm-hmm. why now go all in on saying you're going to make a trilogy of movies? Uh, I think they, yeah. I mean I think they're doing they're doing the thing where they say that, but they're of course they only prepare for one, and then if the first one's a success, they're like great, we'll we'll move on. But if this thing doesn't make as much money as they think, they're yeah. not gonna do three. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like uh, internationally, I'm sure it's still huge, and I'm sure if a movie came out and was like had a good trailer and was like you know hyped for months on the on AMC, that movie could be fucking huge. Um, I, I guess I don't know I don't know I also think most thing is, people you, are over the show yeah and if you are a Walking Dead fan still and you watch the show and stream it to then go to a movie theater to see a, an hour and a half version of one just seems like I, I, I wouldn't do that if I like a TV show and they're like oh we're doing a movie version of it I'd be like well I, I watch it at home on TV I don't want to go to theater I mean how much the show itself already is pretty gory so I can't think of um what the movie version will really bring to the table. I, I just, I mean, I feel, I, I kind of say I feel bad for the guy, but I think also at this point, it's like, it's probably, it would be even harder for him to be like, Oh, now the walking dead's over. I'm going to go do a, a different movie. I mean, he's pretty much the walking dead guy now. So it might you know also what? be like, I don't know if it's take him. What get. I want to blame the writing on the show, but I think he's bad. Like, I don't think he's a good, my impression of Andrew Lincoln is not that he's like a great actor or performer. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, he's, good, the, yeah. the show is the writing is I think what makes him his his words sound so bad. But he yeah. he's not particularly great. Um, right. So I might he yeah. might have also kind of looked at a guy and his team together and been like, "What this is the easiest thing I can do to make yeah the just most just money. Be, probably like I'm off the show. Give me three movies." You know, probably now that Malibu's completely burned down and get a good deal on a plot of land, he's gonna buy something and just be like, "Okay, bye, guys." Did he you know. direct a bunch of episodes? I think. Yeah, but TV, it's like, well, what do you, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm very over that show. Speaking of shows that um, you'd think were dead, um, <laughs> Penny Dreadful, which was dead <laughs> at Showtime, is yeah. now being revived for a new season, and it's gonna be called Penny Dreadful: City of Angels. And it's going to be mm. a new chapter set in 1930s L.A. with different characters. Mm. So here's what they say. Um, Penny Dreadful City of Angels opens in 1938 Los Angeles for a story that Showtime describes as a time and place deeply infused with Mexican-American folklore and social mm. tension. Rooted in the conflict between characters connected to the deity Santa Muerte and others allied with the devil, City of Angels will explore a mix of the supernatural and the combustible reality of that period creating new occult myths and moral dilemmas within a historical backdrop. The series will feature all new characters and storylines. Uh, so this, the, is the first one three seasons? I think the I first have no one idea. three seasons. I couldn't make it this the first is the next episode. one. Um, I never, I tried to watch it and didn't get into it, but I heard it got better and I do want to watch it and I will because I have recently started watching Channel Zero and I'm on. I just I just skipped to season two, and I'll go back and watch season one. But I thought this season two was pretty great. And wow, really? Yeah. I couldn't get into it. That's the one where like it starts with them going to a haunted house. Yeah, it's amazing. They walk and they walk out the other end, and it's like a different world, right? It's kind of like it? yeah, it's like alternate realities. But like the way the way that pilot played out was so interesting to me. Like 
yeah, the, each each room in the haunted house was like tailored to each person's you know specific worst mm-hmm. fear type thing. It's really mm-hmm. interesting, and it's just like it's just for a sci-fi show, it's really well I'll done. Give it, like I'll give high, another shot. high production quality. I've heard season three was good. Uh, all of those, by the way, are on Shutter. So that's how I've been watching it. Season three just got added. So if you want to see that, check it out. Um, But yeah, uh, City of Angels will come out, I guess, next year. Uh, Keep an eye out. If you're a fan, congratulations. Your show is back. But it's not the show you know. Um, I should have talked about this when I was talking about AMC. Because right after they announced the Walking Dead movie, a week later, it was revealed that there's a Breaking Bad movie right now secretly filming in in Albuquerque, I believe. Hmm. So it's uh, going to be a two-hour movie. Vince Gilligan is uh, working on it, of course, writing and producing, and uh, I would imagine directing. Um, it's been shooting there under the working title of Greenbrier. Um, no one knows what it's about, but the most recent speculation is that it's about um, it's Jesse Pinkman. It's going to star him. It's going to star Aaron Paul, and it's going to be take place after the show. Uh, take place uh, after the show. And I'm not sure how it'll connect to the series or Better Call Saul, but I bet I'm sure they had this in mind going forward. I don't think it's probably some like cash grab they just want to do. I'm sure maybe I feel like the every opening sequence in Better Call Saul, they're always been like hinting towards something happening in the future, mm-hmm. and like maybe this. I don't, I'm just maybe speculating, speculating wildly. Maybe that's maybe that's connected to, the, to this movie, but. Once again, I don't go see TV shows and movie theaters. Sorry, guys, wrong direction. You didn't, you didn't go see the Rugrats movie when it came out. Rugrats. I did not Paris. see it. I've, I've actually never seen anything Rugrats. That that that. Uh, <laughs> well, that was after older. your time. Yeah. Yeah. You, but there's got to be a movie, a TV movie that you've seen in theaters and enjoyed. Like a, from from show to movie. Yeah. Nothing? Can't think of one. Dragon. No, what? <laughs> Okay, that's a little different. There's a bit of a gap there. I didn't, I didn't see Dragnet in the theater. How could I? It came out like in '87. Yeah, no, I, I, like, I don't know seven. how old you are. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Dragnet was my pull. Do you love that? All right. Yeah, um, the, the F Troop movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Brett, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a couple titles here, and you tell me what I'm talking about. All right. Okay. The Way of the Water, The Seed Bearer, The Tolkien Rider, The Quest. Freewa. Wait, I uh, I do know this. Why do I know this? I don't know. It's like a Jeopardy question. Um, wait, I do know this because I was just looking at this. Uh-huh. Um, it's an is it the episode? It's like titles of an episode of, of a show. I don't know. Is that your final answer? Uh, yeah. Those are the names of the four Avatar sequels. They'll be oh, coming. Oh yeah. <laughs> I literally texted you that like days ago. That's right. So uh, apparently James Cameron, who has zero connection to reality, <laughs> is under the impression that not only do we want four, one, two, three, four more Avatar movies, that we're willing to wait another three years or two years for the first one and he's going to sprinkle these out to like 2027 or something with number two being the way of water this is it's almost like <laughs> i i, I kind of I just like like sitting back it's like it's just like the the, the long con to be like how is this all gonna fall apart when the second movie fucking capital f flops People seem to have like this uh, this memory loss where they're like Avatar. It's the it's this great movie that's the most. You well, know. no, the issue the the reason it ha- it's happening and like the reason why James Cameron has so much leverage and leeway with mm-hmm. with this the franchise is because Avatar is still 
the number one yep. movie of all time. Because, because it was the first movie to come out in the modern version of what we call real 3D. So it made a shit ton of money because it was the first movie. It was a, it was a regular blockbuster, but also we all paid twice as much because we're like, oh my God, he made it for 3D and there's this new 3D that's better than the old 3D. That's why. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's technically the highest grossing movie, but like all the movies are like nipping at its heels are like, you're like, oh yeah, that, you know, Harry Potter movie or that, you know, Star Wars movie. That's the thing we all like. Do you name a person who's talked about Avatar since that movie came out? You know what I mean? Besides right. us. No. Fun of it. Well, yeah, people make fun of it, but also there must be some secret where, where like, I mean, I know we normal people do not talk about this movie. No one cares about this movie, but I think it will come out and surprise everyone by crushing again. I really do. I think so. I think I think not only do I think the, the number two will flop, that I think that they're gonna like you know go uh, what was it uh, Universal Horror Movie Monsters reboot style and just be like on ah, second thought forget it or they'll do them doing three and, and the Seed Bearer and the Tolkien Rider and the Quest for Ewa will suddenly become one movie. There's no there's no way that this fucking story has uh, three seasons, twelve more. Well, hours considering of the it. other movie was just fucking Fern Gully. Like yeah, yeah. There, there's not like amazing story to it. Yeah, you're right. The reason the movie was notable was because it was a technological achievement. Mm-hmm. It's not like the story was. People were like, I can't wait to see where this goes. I can't wait for the further adventures of Jake, Jake Sully. Or I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone who owns it. I've never heard anyone talk about it. I, I sometime in the last year, like I caught it like on a rerun when I was at home and got, was watching it for like six minutes. I'm like. I don't remember this fucking movie at all. This like, like what is any of this? And, and 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 it looks personally, I thought it looked terrible. I thought it looked fake as fuck. I think already it looks cartoonish and and stupid. Uh, it does not hold up at all. He was he was just bragging about oh with the and with the technology, uh, you know, we'll be able to update it or, or, or you know do like newer versions or whatever. But hey, well, he's not doing it for whatever version fx has because when they run the reruns i was like this looks like a cartoon this looks so idiotic. the second one was allegedly shot you know i think entirely underwater or some shit like there's going to be some crazy reason to see this one too and i think that is going to be what drives people but i think beyond that what what can each one do that would drive like what they have smell a vision or something the third time yeah and, and there's yeah. nothing about that story that maybe be like yeah can't wait to check in on these characters like who cares <laughs> what's zoe saldana's Plugging into some trees with her hair. What do they do in that movie? I don't know. Exactly. Like bonding with dragons or whatever. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. Who cares, James Cameron? Yeah, that movie was bizarre. Um, speaking of bizarre, this is my last bit. Um, okay. So Venom just opened in China this weekend. Oh, God. It's the second biggest China opening ever for a, a Hollywood superhero movie. What's uh, the first? Um... Avengers Infinity War, which made 190 million opening weekend. Venom just made 111 million opening weekend in China, which brings Same. its total worldwide to 675 million dollars. Uh, I can't believe that. Can you? I know it's a. Uh, you know who else? Can't, I'm sure can't believe it. The Sony executives who were probably preparing to be fired in in the weeks leading up to its release, when everyone's yep. making fun of it and no one thought it was going to open huge. Oh, um, the, the ones who did get fired and are probably like at wherever they are right now being like, see, I told you. I mean, it wasn't like – I'm sure they got fired opening weekend. Someone had a tweet that was like, um, you know, for the sequel, here's what you should learn. Like make it really low budget and just let Tom Hardy do make all the decisions because he was the one in the interview who was like, 
you know, the, the movie that came out is not the movie I would have liked to see come out. I shot all these other scenes that are really funny and goofy, and that's what I wanted. Um, and the movie, it's still just one of the most ridiculous Frankenstein together, like, how did this get made type of movie. And mm-hmm. it's amazing that it made so much money, and I think people like it. Um, China, man. Something's going on over there in China. Well, yeah, it also did huge here. It's just like, it's just, it's just amazing. I didn't know Tom Hardy was such a star. And I'm wondering if it's him or if it's just – it is an iconic Logan character. Marshall Green. <laughs> yeah, Tom Hardy, a.k.a. Logan Marshall Green. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just the character we all grew up – I mean, if you're a Spider-Man fan, you know Venom. But the mm-hmm. fact that it worked without Spider-Man is, is nuts because that's yeah. like a huge gamble Sony made. And now it paid off, and now I think we're going to get 100 of these like super uh, random uh, random Spider-Man peripheral characters that, that they can't legally um, – put spider-man in two movies well, we got two we got two joker movies coming out so clearly like it's uh, just like any any compelling character now can can have his or her own movie yeah all right okay all right, all right. so it sounds like it's about that time a three a two a one what oh i'll go first i started okay. with a a Brett Arnold recommendation. You've been singing the praises of this next movie for a geez since when it came out. It's a sequel, which is always a bad sign. And honestly, watching the trailer, I was like, whatever. But I finally saw Unfriended Dark Web. Yeah. Dude, it is fantastic. I told you. This is, in is my easily going to be in my top five of the year. Same. I don't know about top five, but th- it was so well done. Took what they did. Because the, the first one, I was like, eh, that was cool. Flaws and awe. Uh, flaws and awe. All, excuse yeah. me. Um, it was a fun idea. You know, like, yeah, and, if, and, if, and honestly, after watching the first Unfriended, I'm like, also, pr- like, th- thin premise. I mean, how can they just do that again? Like, people talking about whatever, online bullying. I forget exactly the plot of the first one. Yeah, the first one but had the, online bullying, but, like, uh, the, the twi- girl's had, dead, like, a but supernatural yeah. twist. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So for the second one, though, man, oh, man, like, it's great. They went bigger. It's a much better story. Uh, definitely like from like pretty much like the first two minutes, it's like, yo, I'm locked into this is very well done. The guy who made it, uh, who came, came onto the scene years ago from Russia when he made the night watch day watch duology, uh, I'm going to screw up his name, Timur Bekmambetov. Timur Bekmambetov. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. So if you haven't seen Nightwatch or Daywatch, his versions, I think Nightwatch came out in 2004, Daywatch came out in 2007. They're excellent movies. The budgets are insane. They're like these weird, almost like Russian Lord of the Rings meets like supernatural ghost hunter sort of thing. They're, they're pretty wild. And while I saw them in the theater when they came out, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Where is this coming from? Dude eventually makes his way over to America where he had he kind of flopped. He did that, um, uh, what was that movie? Wanted with... Um, James McAvoy. Jolie, yeah. Yeah, it's based on a really good graphic novel. Just, the movie was kind of a flop. I think I made some some bucks, but he also did the Abraham Lincoln Verbier Hunter movie. Anyway, the reason I'm saying this is that like his American career was a little who cares. So at some point he produced Unfriended and has now since said that he wants to make all these different versions of movies that are pretty much like he, he he's obsessed with bringing the internet to the big screen. As he said, he's got a bunch of movies like this in production. Uh, Unfriended dark web, I think is just like, because unfriended did so well. I think dark web was his, like, look what, like now I want to show you what I can really do. And he delivers, man. This movie is fucking great. 
It's so good. I, I, I yeah, it's definitely one of the best of the year. I was pleasantly yeah, that, surprised. That Timur oh, whatever, but Matt McCoff guy is just producing all these fucking mm-hmm. movies that have the same conceit of it with uh just the computer screens yeah. like searching and uh, literally every single one has his name on it. Uh, and he's got like 60 more in production or something. He also, I, produced, he also produced Hardcore Henry, which obviously isn't a internet to uh, Right, but it, is, it also is but like a high concept. Wanna, yeah, um, I also want to yeah. say that, that the the it started with a viral video. So I think he is his, – his focus, which I'm glad that it is, is taking things that work on the internet and making them – and taking that essence and bringing it to the big screen, which I can't think of anyone who's really been able to do that. I mean, heck, found footage found its own niche, despite the fact that it's like can be very uh, jarring. But some people have done found footage very well. And this is like his version of found footage, like making a, a screen capture, a, a, th- a thriller, which I, I love. This movie's real good. Yeah. The reason this movie uh, really soars beyond the first one is that it drops the oh, this is supernatural and it's it's kind of hard to believe. This one is entirely within a realm of, like, this could all possibly happen. Like, with, to a degree. Like, there's, you know, a little embellishing on, like, the the guy who's running it all. But, I mean, it's like it truly explores, like, shit that actually happens. Like, someone getting killed by swatting. And, like, um, yeah. it's and, fucking uh, and, incredible. Uh, yeah. And what was that movie that we liked um, that isn't a movie yeah like it, it, yeah. it reminded me of the nerve sort of thing of like kind of getting involved in a group online and then when you feel like things are going too far and want to quit it's like oh no 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 now it's really beginning kind of like getting in too deep i think it, it, it really plays on our voyeuristic fears you know which is something that I, I don't think is played with enough this idea of like when it's just you at home with a laptop. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Who are you? You're way different yeah, than you're yeah. just, you're just like, you know, you're going on websites, you're, you're pretending to be people you aren't to kind of just be like, but then like this idea of like the main character who starts off doing this kind of just dabbling and, and I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say dabbling on sites and things that he should not be. And then when he kind of is like, okay, fuck, this has gone too far. It's like, no, 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 my friend. Like you, yeah. Like and they're the, watching actually. Yeah. Yeah. And the scale of it, like by the end, like the big mm-hmm. ending reveal, it's just like, this movie is fucking dark, twisted yeah. and just like relentless, relentlessly brutal. And it's, yeah, it's definitely not what I expected from the unfriended sequel. It's way, yeah. way better than, than the original. I mean, I'm absolutely gonna think twice if I ever like think about like taking a t- taking a, a, a laptop. laptop. Yeah. yeah, because like he, he gets this laptop that he says he just like you know Found internet in cafe. coffee shop. Yeah, been si- he'd been sitting in the lost and found for a couple of weeks or whatever, a couple of days. He's like, oh, no one's. I'll just grab it. Nope, nope, I don't think so. You see a phone yeah. sitting. She says some some electronic device sitting there. Uh, yeah. Leave it alone. Yeah, there are some twists and turns in that movie. It's, it's really great. Yeah. Uh, it's w- well done. Um, okay, uh, another thing that I saw recently, you have talked about the Into the Dark series. We both talked about the Into the Dark series, oh, yeah. the, the, the Hulu series that basically made for TV movies. Yeah, I guess that's a way of putting it. They're going to release a standalone horror esque movie every month on Hulu for the next year, twelve of them. I believe that I believe it's, it's called Into the Dark. You watched the first one called The Body. You did not have good things to say about it, correct? Um, no, it's really uh, – I, it, I I couldn't get past how cheap and TV movie-ish it was. Mm-hmm. But I, I basically said that it was 
watchable, but like it didn't make it didn't inspire much hope for the, mm-hmm. for the series because it was a pretty bad start. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so the second one just came out. I'm gonna double check the name. I'm pretty sure it's called Flesh and Blood. I think you're right. Uh, and I think it's directed by Patrick Lussier, isn't it? That's the one I want to pull up so I'll just be perfectly yeah, clear. Yeah, Flesh and Blood. Yeah, and written by. Lewis Ackerman, I don't know anything that he has done. Uh, Lussier uh, has directed the, the My Bloody Valentine 3D mm-hmm, thing. He did mm-hmm. Dracula 2000. Uh, uh, yeah, he's done some this, you know, th- this movie stars uh, Dermot Moroney. So it's oh, like, really? Okay. Yeah, it's like, it's like no sludge. Anyway, uh, so I watched the second one, and it is confoundingly poor. Oh. It is so, so bad and such a disappointment. And not even bad funny, like... It is really terrible. And what I had suspected was happening with these, I didn't want to believe it because it's Blumhouse and I'm like, they wouldn't do this. But it's presented to us like, hey, we're going to like make these like lower budget movies, you know, because Blumhouse has popularized this production style where when they get a project, they kind of figure like, is this going to be a, a streaming? Is this going to be a big budget? Like they kind of like figure out their marketing as they go so they can like, uh, you know, kind of capitalize on, uh, where this movie's going to go yeah. and, and prepare for that. And not as waste opposed- any money marketing something that's not going to work. Exactly, exactly. That's, what, that's, why, that's why when they kill it in big features, they kill it in indies, they kill it with TV shows. Like That's why they kill it because they're just like the marketing and the idea of the budget, everything is kind of baked in the idea. So with this, it was kind of presented to us like, oh, we're doing these smaller, like really good stories that we can kind of like, you know, uh, uh, deliver at a lower budget. And also like I was hoping that they were going to um, – you know, experiment a little bit with like ideas or concepts or stories. But after two of these, it has become painfully clear that this is becoming a dumping ground for bullshit, either that they uh, bought and didn't know what to do with, or they just probably signed a really good deal with Hulu and want to save the money by putting no money into this. But not only is this movie insanely stupid and painfully predictable, it is so cliched, Brett. It is. Yeah, it's the first like, one was that way too, man. It wasn't great. It, like the second it starts, the first one's a short film stretched to ninety or whatever, however long it is. There's no reason for it to be more than forty minutes. This one, it, it's even, it's even more. Yeah, yeah we're good. So I got through bottle caps. Okay. Oh shit. Uh, what frustrated me about this one? I mean, I don't. I'm not going to give it away, but at the same time, I suggest nobody watch it. Um, it starts off with this, like. Um, this tragedy that happens or they allude to at the beginning. And then when the, when the, when the internal conflict or mystery or, or potential horror element is introduced, you as the viewer go, well, it's clearly not this thing. Cause they're kind of obviously pointing at them. This must be a, a, a bad, bad misdirection. But then it turns out that like the thing that they thought it was at the beginning was actually the thing, you know? So it's one of these movies like when they have like the big quote reveal, you're like, wait, we've been saying this the whole time. Yeah. Like, why did I, that's not a mystery. If the thing like, Oh, it might be this person, but probably not. And that turns out to be them. You're like, that was really fucking like, Is that it? Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's, it's like, it's like every terrible episode of like, you know, I don't know the twilight yeah, zone. I think these stories. are going to all be a wash, man. I don't know. Yeah. There could be a couple but, good ones in there, but. Yeah. Also, what was really frustrating about it is there's nothing new or interesting. I I don't know what, save for not making these, I can't understand why this was made at all. You know, why Blumhouse, I mean, if they wanted to do their own, like, not Twilight Zone, but like Outer Limits sort of thing, like, that's understandable. But this doesn't even feel like that. It just feels like, well, here's a bad movie that's 
underdeveloped, insanely predictable, really slow, no payoff. And at the end, you're just like, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, what was the point of any of this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. It's a bummer. I think it's a prime candidate for the turkey slaughter coming up in two weeks or a week or whatever. But Ooh. yeah, total, total bummer. And that's pretty much what I got. What have you seen this week? All right. Let me look at my list. It's pretty long. Okay. Um, this weekend, I went and I'm trying to catch up because there's so much that's starting to come out and I, I've dealt with all these crises. I haven't really mm-hmm. had time. Um, so this weekend, I went and saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Which, mm, the which, Queen movie. Yeah, the Queen movie that every major critic and everyone I follow on Twitter fucking hates, thought it was terrible. Really? Yeah, and then uh, it, opened, it opened huge, and mm-hmm. audiences gave it a good score, good cinema score. People, people seem it to like fun. it. I really like Queen. I love Queen. Yeah, I love Queen so much. So that's what it is. So I hate biopics, as everyone who listens to this podcast knows. Mm -hmm. I love Queen. So I was like, whatever, I'll go see it. Uh, And my final verdict is that everyone is being way too harsh on it. Because, yes, it it has every pitfall and platitude and, like, awful cliche of a biopic, especially Mm -hmm. a music biopic, where it's like, this moment has to happen. And then mm-hmm. like you have to show the band forming and it's like all the mm-hmm. obligatory soulless bullshit is totally there. And like, yes, I understand that, but I just love the music of Queen so much. And yeah. Rami Malek is great as Freddie Mercury. And like, there are some story threads that work narratively that are fine. And like the big scenes are big enough that they're exciting that I, I recommend it. Like I told my parents to go see it. Like it's like a movie What's, for mass audiences. Let me ask you a question. Cause, yeah. cause what, what I, what I always find funny about band biopics is that it's, it's impossible to distill the career of a band into an, an hour and a half movie. Yeah. But also, well, this movie's two do, hours and 15 minutes. Regardless, they, yeah. they do a thing in, I've noticed this, that, they're always like, oh, we're making a biopic about whatever band or musician, and we've got you know the band or the or the the people's estate, or they have like the people who were there involved in it. And right away, you're like, oh, this is gonna be funny because no one's gonna like, you know, do a movie about a band with the people who were involved in there and make it anything less than like a stroke piece. Like they're not gonna, you know, they're, right. they're just gonna. Which I think is kind of funny, but does this movie just have like all these? Because they always gonna like tick every moment, like these these like really obnoxious moments of like, you know. We need a lead singer. This is my buddy, Farouk Balsura, but he wants to be known as Freddie Mercury. Huh? Interesting name. And like, like we got to come up with a really cool band name. Guys, I got it. We'll call it Queen. And it's like, you know, just like every kind of like moment. Every major moment has to be telegraphed. Yeah, exactly. Guys, 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 guys. I've got an idea for a song. Okay, I'll, I'll get, what's the, how's the guitar part go? No, 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 no. No guitar. We start was stomping and clapping. I call it, we will rock you. Yeah, oh, no. like that Every kind of single shit, one know? of those moments exists. So, um, basically my opinion, Freddie, Freddie Mercury, nobody's going to want to queen. No one's going to want to listen to some long Rhapsody song with, with opera in it. And like, Hey man, release or don't, we're not changing our sound. And that you was, just, it's, it's actually right? fucked up to the degree to which you just described the entire plot of this movie. <laughs> I've never seen it, but it's always that. It's, it's always literally like, that. And that's why I gave it such a grain of salt because I acknowledge that. But mm-hmm. like, as far as these type of movies go, 
they nailed certain things about it that it was an entertaining two hours. But the problem for me, and I'll never not think this, they the fact that any band or any studio is making movies about bands after the movie Walk Hard came out is unforgivable to me. Like, you can't do it. Like, yeah, because that movie just made fun of all those, right? Like, everything you just said was exactly what that movie did in a hilarious way, po- poking fun at it. And yet here we go with Bohemian Rhapsody doing all those things and still making a fuck ton of money and working. And even I kind of liked it. So, sure. I don't know, man. It's a mixed bag. I'm acknowledging that it is all of those things you just said. It is the worst defender of all those things. It's not really – it's, like, pretty inauthentic in that way. But as a movie, it works. Well, you also like, like, like you good. like it, like yeah. yeah. If you like Queen, it's like it's not, I mean, I, I watch music docs all the time. I love anything yeah. where it's a band. I let them sit around talking about how great they are. It's like yeah. it's like yeah, okay, okay. I probably would have enjoyed a documentary more, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> I, I just like Queen, um, yeah. and it's a cool story. And they didn't do anything like egregiously horrible. Like we were all worried it was going to be like really PG thirteen. His like you know gay. Uh, uh, Escapade. Yeah, all that stuff, but like, and it kind of does, but like, it, it's just like everything. Another uh, biopic issue. It's that they have to hit those moments, but since they have to hit so many, none of them have any depth to it. It just goes and so like, fast, right? Right, goes so fast, and like they they plan on the audience knowing some things because otherwise the movie wouldn't make any sense. Like your movie doesn't tell you that he's fucking this guy, but you have to guess and imply that he's doing so based the on whole thing, like, the I mean, language the whole- of their. I can only assume. I can only assume the whole sequence where they're working on Bohemian Rhapsody. Like yeah. you're watching it, going, "Oh, this is like one of the best songs of all time." But if you'd never right. heard the song, you'd be like, "Why? Like, why are we spending so much time on this on this exactly. operatic part? And, and why you know is what? everyone like, yeah. like, am I supposed to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's so funny. Like, or just like the fact, like, let me get this straight." You want to call yourself queen and play rock music, and this guy's going to wear cat suits? <laughs> Good luck. Right. right? And that character yeah. in the movie is played by Mike Myers, which <laughs> if you didn't understand yeah. the joke that you know he was the one who made Bohemian uh-huh. Rhapsody even more famous in that yeah. scene in Wayne's uh-huh. World, that he literally has a line that's um, – Bohemian Rhapsody, that's not going to be played in cars by teenagers and sang about. Uh, I like it. Like, literally that line. Because uh, one, of the, one of the other guys in Queen, I, I don't know if this is an actual song on an album, that, uh, but they keep referencing it. The song, I Like My Car or something. It's about, like, a relationship with a car. And, like, he, uh, Mike Myers is like, that's the single. That's what people will sing in their cars. No one's going to be singing Bohemian Rhapsody. And it's so like, annoying. wink, wink, wink. Do you get it? Yeah. Wink. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's it, it's a movie that I you'd think I would fucking hate. Um, but I kind of just enjoyed it. I'll never watch just, it again, yeah, but it was, it was, fodder, a fun, you know, just, just it was fun. a fun Saturday afternoon when I couldn't be at my apartment cause our power was out due to a gas explosion movie. Oh my God. Put that on the DVD box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So I, so yeah, our, I forgot to mention that our power was out after that for like a day. Um, That's correct. but so I, for, because of that, I saw that. And then we saw mid '90s, right after the well, Jonah Hill movie. Um, I liked it. It's good. It's very much. I think you would like it. It's very much for people of a certain age and era. What like, age? Like I think no one older than you would like it. Like you're probably the, <laughs> the top cutoff. Yeah, like it's yeah. like if you were a if you care, if you cared about like skateboard culture in the '90s, 
you will enjoy this. Movie. If you were in high school in the nineties, if you were in high school in the nineties, or even younger, or even younger than that in the nineties, you would appreciate it. It's just very. It's like you know he's trying to make like a Larry Clark movie. It's it's very much like Jonah Hill's looks, kids. You yeah, know? it looks like kids light. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun. I would say it wor- it works. It's funny. It has like very improv-y dialogue that you'd expect, like funny Jonah Hill type like dick jokes. Um, but it's just like a coming of age story about this kid kind of falling in with the wrong crowd, but like just and more so about like that moment in people's lives when they have to choose like the person they're gonna be, blah blah, and like his relationship with his brother, and just like the movie nails so much of just like '90s like fashion and culture, like and his his brother played by Lucas Hedges, just the clothes he wears, like every scene he walks in, I just laughed out loud because I'm like, I know this guy. Like I you know, rocking Jankos. I, yeah, I just fucking know this guy. Like, Is there a lot of Jankos in the movie? Um, I, guess, I, I mean, like big, yeah, big, uh, I guess there's some Jankos. <laughs> One um, of those coming back. Uh, hopefully never. Mm. Um, so I liked it. It's good. It's also like 80 minutes, so I can't really complain. It was great. Um, what else did I see? I went and saw something at IFC Center. Oh shit! I saw this movie called Border. Which one? Yeah, that's right, dude. Yeah, what's this movie all about? Oh man, I totally forgot I saw it until right now. Because um, so I keep movie, seeing the ads I... on Instagram. Like, I'm like, because remember I, I texted you. I'm like, is this like I sent you the um, the trailer? I'm like, is this like the an indie movie starring the Geico caveman? Well, it's... I didn't know. I don't remember huh. you texting me that because I made the same joke on Twitter. I thought I made. I thought I came up with it. Plant <laughs> the seed, baby. Yeah. Um, I made the same joke. It, it, I didn't. I hadn't seen the trailer. I hadn't watched anything. I just knew it was uh, this movie that won, an, I think, the Audience Award or some award at Cannes Film Festival or Cannes. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll go see it. It's a movie pass film, so it's like a free... Uh, you Whoa, have really? To, you don't, yeah, MoviePass bought the releasing for it, at least in America. So it was like a wow. bonus on MoviePass, so it doesn't count towards the three of the month you can use. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll go see it. Um, very weird movie. I did not expect um, what it was. I guess I'll explain what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, don't, don't, don't give it away, but explain well, it. People I guess, haven't, okay. People haven't um, watched the trailer, look at I the trailer yeah. of it. Yeah. Because I don't know if it gives anything away, but from what I can tell, it's a movie about two people who look like cavemen in an otherwise world where no one else looks like cavemen find each other and like become like someone romantically involved. Yeah, and, that's a good distillation. Like, of what, like, about. what is this movie? Yeah, so I don't want to give away the reveal of like what they are, and there are headlines you can read that will do so, and I got mad because luckily I read it after, but there are headlines that totally ruin it. Because the movie doesn't tell you what what's happening until like halfway through, but it's basically this very understated like indie drama, I would say, mm-hmm. about yeah a woman who looks kind of deformed and you don't know why. She just has like very mm-hmm. intense facial features, and then you kind of see she has a place on her back like where a tail may have been, uh, and mm-hmm. you're like, what the fuck? And like so her, her job is she's like a customs agent. Who mm-hmm. like is standing in a corridor while people enter the country and like mm-hmm. sniffing them out, um, but literally sniffing them out. Like you see her sniffing and like pulling people uh, from the line, and every time she pulls someone, uh, she's right, she's dead on. Like there's mm-hmm. no physical giveaway that they're like hiding or smuggling something, but she knows. And then it mm-hmm. turns out she can like smell people's guilt and fear. 
and you're like, okay, this is weird. Um, and then like every night she goes home and like hangs out in the woods with animals and you're like, this is weird. And then finally, yeah, a second person that looks like her shows up and then the movie kind of starts telling you what's going on and what they are, but not with, not ever really dwelling on it. It's just like, okay, this is it. It's more of a movie. I think it's like supposed to have a message about, you know, other othering people and like treating people a certain way because of the way they mm-hmm. look or the way they are. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to ruin the surprise of what they are, but it's a woman, a woman learns she may not be human. And it's just like a really weird little drama. I didn't, I didn't really like it. Mm-hmm. I was like intrigued by it the whole time and like kept waiting. It was fascinating to watch. I'll never watch it again, but it was fascinating <laughs> to watch a first time because Going in completely cold, I had no idea where it was going any of the time. And there are moments that are really, like, thrilling and exciting. And then there's, like, a really gross scene I won't get into. Um, <laughs> it's a weird movie. I wouldn't exactly recommend it. All right. All right. I got more. I, 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 yeah, I, 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 I got to say their advertising is working on me because I'm very intrigued. But Yeah, you should I, watch it. But it's, I'll just wait till I'll wait it's straight uh, I also saw the Gerard Butler submarine movie, Hunter Killer. His house just burned down. I know. I just saw uh, Malibu. Malibu is on fire. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, oh, well. But Hunter Killer is this Lionsgate movie that like no one is seeing. It's like bombing. But it's it's good. It's the perfect movie that will play on TNT every Sunday for like a hundred years. It's just like the perfect dumb action movie. Uh, the premise is uh, it's set entirely, almost entirely in a submarine led by Gerard Butler. There's like, they're on, uh, they're like Russia's ships have attacked the U.S., but but the U.S. thinks Russia attacked them. It's like uh, there's all this shit going on. And you don't really know who fired on who first. And it turns out, like, uh, one of the Russia's top, like, uh, military advisors is, like, doing a coup of the government and, like, incapacitated the president and is just trying to start a war with America for no reason. It's like, you know, like a Tom Clancy book or something. It's just, like, really stupid but uh, really fun to watch. Like, you're literally laughing out loud at how absurd some of it is. But it's, like, I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, The movie... The, the basic premise is what I just said, but I, I get uh, the main part of it is that Gerard Butler's American submarine crew uh, ends up having to kidnap the Russian president in order to save the world, basically, from going to war. Weird. Yeah, so it's just like dumb fun movie. Uh, it's probably already gone from theaters. It's bombing pretty badly, but I enjoyed that. Uh, recommend that one to your dad. Everyone's dad <laughs> will like that movie. Yeah, it sounds um, like some dad shit, like some Hunt for Red October shit right there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I also saw The Old Man and the Gun, a Robert mm-hmm. Redford movie, David Lowry directed. Uh, fun little movie, just about bank robbery, uh, a true story of, like, you know, that group of, like, 70-year-old men who robbed a bunch of banks for several years. Uh, really fun little cute movie. Another one for your parents. They'll really yeah. like it. Man, our parents are really lucking up this week with movies. Yeah, there's so much to see. All right, and then here's one that's um, definitely on brand for the podcast. I went to see it today with the express purpose of talking about it on the podcast. Okay, here we go. So this, we've been talking about it for a while. The trailer was pretty good, and we heard good festival hype. 
J.J. Uh, Abrams produced it. It's a Paramount Bad Robot production. Overlord mm-hmm. is now in theaters. And yeah, what I so, will say, I, so I, I, yeah. I was a little skeptical. I still was skeptical of this movie because so burned by the last Cloverfield movie, I had to like rethink my feelings towards J.J. Um, so I, I saw a little of this. I've seen some pictures. I've seen half a trailer because I'm really trying to like not – see anything i mean we're gonna talk about it now but i've always been like just want to like go in not cold or, or fresh but been avoid been avoiding it okay well i yeah. might ruin it for, i'm not gonna i don't know no. um you know so it's it's pretty fun it's not the horror gore fest i was hoping for exactly um mm-hmm. i would say it's half legitimately like just like a world war ii mission movie and then, mm-hmm. like, it only decides to become a horror movie towards the end. Um, Interesting. Which is definitely not what the marketing suggests um, mm-hmm. at all. But I would say uh, this movie has an incredible, like, really uh, visceral opening sequence mm-hmm. and a really good final sequence. And then just kind of, like, really stretches itself thin in the middle. Um, okay. It, it's never really bad. It's just, like, kind of spinning its wheels and, like, because of the trailers and the way it was marketed, everyone who's watching the movie knows what's going to happen and, like, what we're there for. Like, it's going to be some Nazi zombie shit is about to happen. Mm-hmm. But the movie does, like, teases, you know, teases that for so long. And then, like, eventually gets there and it's, like, satisfying and bloody and brutal when that happens. But until then, it's kind of just meandering. And mm. um, it's not bad. I enjoyed watching it for the most part. But, like, I after you see how good it can be towards the end, you're kind of like... Well, why wasn't the rest of the movie like this? Um, it just kind of feels like a missed opportunity. It tries to be too many things, um, mm. but that is, I'm being overly negative for a movie that I thought was like pretty fun. Still, I just was expecting a little more after all the praise I saw. But um, I think it's still worth seeing for horror fans because it does when it does get gory, it's pretty like oh shit, that's fucked up. Mm. Um, but overall, it's definitely got a lot more World War Two, like just trying to do get a mission complete type stuff going on also the star of it who's in a lot of stuff lately and i never put two and two together until this one uh wyatt russell is kurt russell's kid (laughs) oh really yeah the star of that movie who's in like that show i think lodge 49 and who's uh who's in i think that days and confused sequel everybody wants some oh yeah a lot of stuff lately um yeah i think that that's kurt russell's kid and you can really tell you can really tell in this movie that he is cool all right, I think that's it before the main event. Sorry, guys, I just noticed that my mic was doing a bunch of <laughs> bullshit during this episode. Bro. I know, so I just changed the core, and I think it's better. Uh, apologies for my mic if it was bad. Ugh, I think it was okay. Um, all, right. all right, but the main event for this episode, uh, let's talk about Homecoming first. Definitely. Okay, so Amazon Studios, or whatever you want to call it, Amazon Prime Video, uh, mm-hmm. has a show. It's directed by Sam Esmail, the guy who did um, Mr. Robot mm-hmm. for USA, and I'm not sure what else. But uh, Joe can tell you more about this, where the show sure. came from, because I really don't know, but I I think it has an origin as a podcast. Correct. Gimlet Media, the uh, podcast that Alex Bloomberg left, uh, this, uh, left uh, NPR, wherever he was, to start years ago. Um They've been a pretty successful podcast company, putting out a lot of really great shows. You've probably heard of Crime Town and Mogul, and perhaps you know about Reply All 
and yeah. the startup. Yes, these things. Are, okay, the great shows. Anyway, uh, this was their first fictional podcast. I believe it was a eight episode series um, that was starred Catherine Keener, David Schwimmer, and Oscar Isaac. About wow. uh, yeah, uh, the way that the podcast was done was it was all audio recordings from uh, phone calls. And from therapy sessions, uh, a therapist played by Catherine Keener is um, That's recording. That's already. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great. It was recording the mm. audio sessions uh, with a vet played by Oscar Isaac, who's dealing with, uh, you know, just got back from the war. And they're kind of figuring him and a bunch of his other uh, fellow uh, recruits uh, or soldiers. Yeah, recruits, yeah. soldiers as they are getting <clears> ready to. <throat> to enter back into uh, civilian life. And something is amiss because it kind of jumps back and forth with uh, different phone calls and other audio recordings where it seems like something had happened and it jumped back and forth. It was a really well done podcast. And again, it's all done by, I guess what I want to say, found audio, piece together different audio bits, answering machine messages, et cetera, et cetera. So it was, it was very good. And I, and apparently they liked it so much that they fleshed it out to a full show that Amazon picked up and we binged it both uh, the past week. And I thought it was excellent. It is fantastic. I will say yeah. easily the best thing Amazon has done so far. Uh, and I love Marvel's Mrs. Maisel, but I think it's like a different level of, of quality. Yeah. So the, the TV series is pretty high profile prestige show starring Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. Um, Bobby Carnavale. Bobby Carnavale in what is maybe his best, the best role of his career, just because he's like, finally like a main character i feel like mm-hmm. he's usually like very peripheral but he's like front and center here and uh mm-hmm. he's just so fun to watch he just makes me smile i love watching bobby Cannavale. um yeah he's great uh so the show is about what joe did you did you just say what it was about you kind of said it was like interviews with soldiers so the show homecoming the, yeah. refers to a program that is not quite sponsored by the defense department it's it's a off it's a some random private company is like funding it. It's a program for soldiers coming back home from war and it's supposed to not make them deal with their PTSD. It's not like therapy. It's supposed to cure them of Mm -hmm. their PTSD. Um, And I don't know how much we want to give away here. I don't want to give away too much. I think it was fun to watch and learn in real time. See it unfolds. Yeah. Yeah. But what what they did was what I liked about it was they took the story the gist of the story from the podcast and they really expanded upon it and made the story a show as opposed to trying to like recreate a podcast, which I really liked. So there's like definitely some similarities in the story, but then the the show for obvious reasons gets way more in depth with characters and connections, but it jumps back and forth and you see something, something's a mess where Julia Roberts is a psychologist is a high profile thing. And then I'll jump like to a future where she's a waitress. And one of the guys who's doing, he's investigating something is asking her questions and she's standoffish and, and she doesn't like having a, having a hard time recalling certain key people or moments and it, it's uh, it's just really well made and well done and, and, and unfolds very well, I guess. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away, but it's dynamite, man. Amazon's not playing around. We, we mentioned before like how Amazon uh, – these are both like this and Suspiria, both like Amazon-produced entities or whatever. But like I, I was going to mention before that I saw a uh, commercial today when I was watching something, uh, an ad for something called like – I think it's called like – Amazon fashion or Amazon wardrobe, where basically, you know, they have those like um, 
Amazon uh, clothing delivery service. Oh, excuse me, you know they have those clothing delivery services like like whatever something box where they'll send you a bunch of like men's clothes and like you yes. keep what you want and send back. So Amazon has one of those now. Yes. And I and I was thinking about something that uh, the Patriot Act with that uh, with that comedian Hassan something. Hassan Minaj. Has, yes. Yeah, he has a, he has a show where he talks about Amazon. And he pointed out that like. Everyone has to do something through Amazon, and if anything does really well on Amazon, Amazon introduces its own version of it and kind of edges up the competition. And when I saw the thing, I'm like, "Holy fuck, dude! Like Amazon is not playing around anymore. They're, it's they're doing that to the end other to TV industry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they probably looked at all the data of the of the uh, mystery and you know war related shows, and then also saw that this podcast is very successful and just crunched their numbers and was like, "We need to make this into a show," and it is fucking awesome you know it is fantastic it has like yeah. i had to i, I want to rewatch the final sequence because it's so beautiful and well done and like yeah. it's emotional and just it was just a terrific cap on like what was a fantastic and it's kind of it's kind of quick it's a, it's, it's 10 oh, episodes oh that's the best thing about piece. it it's 10 episodes they're half hours some of them are 20 minutes some of them are 35 yeah. minutes so you do um, under five hours you can do it you can do it in an afternoon easily. yeah it is it is just so it's it, i know people always like it's so bingeable but like this show is made to be watched that way and like yeah. i'm glad it, it has like the feel of an hour-long show but they're broken up in such a way that like they're 20 minute bursts or 20 30 minute bursts and then like they always end with such a moment where you're like fuck i have to keep going yeah they fucking did it, man. Like this is, it's just like, it's so good. Uh, and you know what? I mean, Hey, I listened to the podcast and then I watched this. So like, I don't know like how it goes in reverse, but if you're not sure, listen to a couple episodes of the podcast first. It's even quicker and it's, it was really well done. So, but uh, it's, it's interesting. I, I love the fact that we are seeing a fictional podcast become a show and it, um, adapt so well without being like a direct ripoff and this will be perfect segue into Suspiria but with the with the homecoming podcast how they did it with audio with like found audio works so well for podcasts and couldn't work in either format and they took the, they kind of like stripped it down to its bare elements of the story and then rebuilt it as a bingeable show for Amazon keeping the essence of it without really like being too repetitive or too derivative of its source material which I thought was a uh, really really great and like exciting because you know podcasts have become like a very um respectable uh popular medium seemingly on par with television now and the fact that like this crossover happened and it was done so well like makes me very excited because you know we talk about podcasts all the time here horror or not related this is a podcast so maybe it should be a tv show <laughs> amazon but I'm, I'm glad to see <laughs> that these stories are being adapted well uh and speaking of taking a material and adapting it into something new, we watched the new Suspiria, which is an adaptation or a reimagining of the 1977 Dario Argento film Suspiria. Um, People's opinions on Suspiria 2018 are mm -hmm. very, very split. It's either you love it and you love how ambitious and crazy and different it is mm -hmm. in the original, or you yeah. think it's pretentious, pompous, art house, faux art house bullshit that uh you know is sullying a classic um it's interesting because um whether you're either side of those things one thing that's pointed out before we get in our opinion about it is the 77 suspiria and the suspiria are like not polar opposites but like you don't need to see the first one to watch this one and you don't need to you don't need to like one to like the other or dislike one to dislike the other it is sorry cat noise sweetie all right <laughs> 
it is both movies uh i think stand on their own uh depending on so i think your opinion of one wouldn't really have much of effect of your opinion on the other i don't know if you agree with me on that um i do but also what you said earlier when we were texting is mm-hmm. that this this new one it kind of would if you're like i don't know this the new one basically the first one is all visuals and music mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um Everything is implied horror. Like there's, sure. you don't really see much. It's like okay, there's a murder here and a murder there, but everything is very heightened. It's just like all, it's all I mean, just like it's, cinematic. And I feel like it's probably one of the most popular giallo films. Oh, I'm thinking it is for sure, and that's weird because yeah. like it's not super indicative of that genre anyway. It's just like it's the most high profile example for sure. And, sure. And I don't, I don't know. I'm not personally the biggest fan of it. I I don't maybe one. yeah maybe it's just the genre for me but Fair um enough. it's just like yeah that movie's like it's it's it feels really long and then like mm-hmm. it's just kind of things happen and it's over and you never like, Consi- you, considering yeah considering Argento's uh breadth of work I mean Four Flies and Grey Velvet Cat and Nine Tails Inferno uh Deep Red he also was connected Hey stop <laughs> He was also connected with um, uh, Romero when they worked on Dawn of the Dead, which could arguably be considered the best horror movie ever made. Um, so Gento has, has done some really great stuff. Uh, you know, it, so, I mean, uh, what's his face? Uh, Carpenter says that Suspiria was a huge influence on uh, Halloween. And you can tell with like the stark lighting and, 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 and some of the ways, like some of the, some of the longer shots, the zoom ins and the pull outs. Um, yeah, the original Suspiria, the 77 version, it's like a nice, like, time capsule of something amazing that was made at a time when horror was exploding, and we did the, um, we did our, our Giallo episode, got two years ago at this point, and even then, uh, Keon even kind of pointed out, like, eh, Suspiria's not, you know, the best example of Giallo, maybe the, the more famous one. So right. Suspiria has always been a movie that like, it's been respectable for me, but like when people are like, Oh, is this supposed to be great? I kind of shrug my shoulders. Like, yeah, it's, like, it, uh, it kind of, you know, honestly, just, it bores me. It's just like, I want to see the horror and it's just like, impl- it's just like, yeah, there, there might, these people might be witches and we're not really going to show you that they are or like prove that they are. And that's where Luca Guadagino's Suspiria comes in. Where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is a movie about a coven of witches, and you're gonna see some witchery eventually. Yeah. But before it gets Mas- there, masquerading as a ballet studio, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, the reason a lot of the people think this movie is pretentious is because I think of uh, the setting it set itself in. Sure. Which is like, um, you know, uh, Ber- divided Berlin. It's like it's it takes place the year the actual movie came out, so like 1977. So like you know. Berlin is divided into east and west. There's like, you know, the big subtext of the movie or th- running throughout the movie is like that hostage uh, Luthazana flight 181 thing where like uh, those it takes place, people. It takes place during what's known as the German autumn. Right. Uh, and 77 where it was. I got the Wikipedia up here. I'm not smart. I'm, I'm reading this. Uh, I was like, oh, uh, wow. Kid- Joe really knows what he's talking about. The kidnap and murder of industrialist uh, Hans Martin uh, Schuler, who was also the president of the Confederation of German Employees Associates, and it, it was by the Red Army faction that was doing that, and they also hijacked a Lufthansa airplane, and it was all in demanding the release of RAF members and two Palestinian compatriots that was held by Turkey. Uh, it was a standoff. Uh, it was a very political upheaval time, and also it was 
during what is called, hang on, I pulled up the, <laughs> the Wikipedia of it. It is something called, I'm going to try and pronounce it, the German word for it is Vergangenheitsbuatalagug, <laughs> which I completely butcher. Let's see if I can play this out loud. Hang on. Do you hear that? No. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's a very long word. And, and the word and times was in during the late 70s is when the German culture and society really started working through and coming to terms with what they had done. Right. It's like the yes, yeah. it's the it's the generational divide. Like the movie yeah. is a, so younger generations of Germans, you know, are angry at the notion that the members of the Third Reich were still in power. Um, and also that it was kind of this idea of you know, your parents coming to an age where they look and turn to their parents and be like, wait a second, what were you doing, doing, doing all this? And having parents who were like, hey, we we're just following orders. Like, we didn't know about this stuff. So this this clash of like the accusations coming to light the the cultural impact of Germans to what had happened during the right. Holocaust. And the writer of this new movie says, uh, uh, David Kajkinovit, uh, Kajkinovit, mm-hmm. Ginich. We're, ki- we're killing it today with the pronunciation. I know. But... He says, you know, the, it's this quagmire of inherited guilt that they wanted to explore in the movie. Uh, here's what he says. It was ambiguous at the time whether a political action was politically reactive, whether it was terrorism, what you would mm-hmm. call even the simple act of protesting at the time, depending on who was making the criticism. We thought that was a very interesting space to have an audience's relationship with the coven. We didn't want to make moral judgments about the coven as much as we wanted to make procedural observations about how this group, particular group of women might be able to cultivate private sources of power and figure out how they might wield the most influence in this politically turbulent time. Um, so, but back to the actual movie, like all these things are, uh, the movie is very much, almost every scene has a reminder of like, Hey, this is when this is happening. It's almost Mm -hmm. obnoxious. Like it's to a point where it's like, yeah, I get it. This movie takes place at this time and there's a Holocaust subplot. Like I get all of it. So this movie just has a lot going on. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, it's not even, it's hard. You can't even call it subtext. It's just like it's there, and I think mm-hmm. that's why a lot of like like Richard Brody, the New Yorker, really fucking hated it. Like all the people who like you know like their art films to not spell shit out for you. Like they they didn't like it. It's like I think people think this is like the poor man's art house movie because it's like, mm. um, and even though it's Luca Guadagino who makes all this like Oscar worthy stuff. People are a lot, the people who don't like it think he's like debasing himself by like making this fucking movie. Interesting. Um, yeah, but the movie itself opens with uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, who was very underused in this movie. But yeah. um, it opens with kind of the same way the original opens, but more detailed. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about uh, Patricia runs into her like therapist's office, mm-hmm. and is just kind of like frantically talking about random shit that she's thinking it sounds all delusional and the doctor writes down that it's all delusion like she's like delusional but she's talking right. about like the the coven and uh how mm-hmm. the dance company people are like witches and yeah. uh and then that kind of the, the the she's telling this to her therapist who ends up being one of the main characters in the movie who mm-hmm. i don't know if joe knows this i'm sure he does if you read about it but that's tilda swinton in, mm-hmm. in a bunch of old age she makeup. plays she she plays three people the, by the end she plays three characters yeah. in, in this movie including this character, who's probably in it as much as she is, as herself. Yeah. This old man by the name, uh, this old uh, Jewish man. Or something. Yeah. What was his What was his name in this? I Joseph forget. something. Uh, Joseph, Joseph Kemper. Kemper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
she did a great job as this character too. Cause I, I knew it because you had yeah, me that, that article. article, but I feel like if I didn't, if I didn't know that going in, I would yes. not. Have and realized. that's the thing for me. Like that's one thing I wish I didn't know because I, it was distracting to me then because I knew I was just like, yeah, I get, I think they did this. Cause it was just like, yeah, girl power. We're going to have even the guy be a girl in this movie. Like, mm, I don't think like, that's it. I don't know what it was. It was just, I mean, when you asked Tilda, they're just like, she was, her answer was like, why not? Like, because he asked her <laughs> to, um, but I think that was part of it. I think he just wanted to talk about, I, I don't really, I don't really understand the reason. I did think it was distracting. Let me talk about things I didn't like at first. So I didn't really like that part of it. I just thought that was unnecessary, but didn't like take away anything from it for me. Another thing I didn't like, which I loved about the original, the best part of the original is the score. And I thought the score here was fine, except which is going to sound weird coming from a Radiohead fan. I thought it sounded horrible when Tom York was was singing both both times. Now you know how I feel all the time. Yeah, it wasn't distracting and horrible, especially at the end part. It's I like I'm very obnoxious, so yeah. Yeah, I was just like par for the course. Yeah, I I couldn't believe that that, that was a choice that they made. Um, so besides those things, um, mm-hmm. I quite enjoyed uh, Suspiria 2018, like more than the original, because to me, it took all the implied shit of the original and just blew it out just blew it out it was just like here's what we're gonna do we're taking the movie about witches at a dance studio and just taking it to like to the Mm -hmm. it's furthest extremes there's that scene early on where the the dancing where she Mm -hmm. first dances and then like the woman downstairs Mm -hmm. is it's like Mm -hmm. controlling her body and contorting it and it's like so viscerally Mm -hmm. visceral and fucked up Mm -hmm. um there's another there isn't really another big violence until the end probably but like in between there's like this sense of dread and like you're you, you don't know what's going to happen to Dakota Johnson's character, uh, Susie Banyan, who's playing Jessica Harper character in the original. And Jessica Harper shows up later playing uh, the old man's wife in a flashback sort of thing. That's right. Yeah. That's who that was. Yeah, Jessica Harper. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Um, so I know we're not talking too much detail about it. I don't really want to. Um, sure. I wanted to have – I had a couple guests who were really excited to talk about it, and I had to bail on them um, uh, for my cat – purposes but <laughs> i would like to do a bonus episode of, at some point to talk about Definitely. it at length but mm-hmm. um as far as uh what did you think about it i thought it was fantastic i okay. absolutely love this movie i was i was enthralled the whole time Definitely it's my top just, five it's of the just, year. it's just bad shit i i love it I, I really like it too and i really like it because of how it's just like absurd it's just like it's this really they really just went for it in every way like I totally agree and what yeah. I love the most about it was it wasn't a rehashing of giallo tropes or specifically Dario Argento tropes going into this I was like you know giallo movies for me from like the 70s I can watch them with appreciation of like oh this was really cool back then but the movies themselves I'm always just kind of like you know it's a mixed bag for me and in 2013 <clears throat> A very giallo heavy, a, a giallo movie. I think it's called like the Strange Color of Your Body's Tears. Did you ever watch that? Yes. I I found it borderline unwatchable for the exact reason of what I hate is when the it, it just it just took the visual language of giallo just made made a giallo movie and just watching it like this is boring and predictable and whatever. So going into this, I was like, please don't just make a Dario Argento movie. And he made the, the director made this movie his own. It's actually incredibly drab and does not get colorful until oh, the exact, end. Oh, exactly. It's the exact opposite of the color mm-hmm. palette of the original. It's just bleak and ugly. Yeah. This movie, this movie, and I'm not giving too much away, really reminded me of Hereditary and this um, 
what I want to say, this, this theme I'm noticing popping up in movies, that's a sign of the times where both hereditary and this movie is about a young ish person who, whether they realize it or not, their hand is being, the path is being forced by evil forces to either be consumed by this, uh, bigger secret cults or witchery or indoctrinating them into like a leadership role or whatever, which I think it's a sign of the times of being like, the millennial younger culture is now whether they like it or not inheriting inheriting what the baby boomers have pretty much left which if you look out the window is not anything really good if you turn on the news between our terrible president and our horrible foreign policies and the brexit and and the and the economy and uh the environment it's like all these movies are kind of like steeped in this like younger generation is taking over to something that maybe they don't want to take over that is horrible and awful and has been destroyed or abused by the people who've had power for far too long. <clears throat> and with this movie, I just kind of like locked into that kind of framework of this movie right away. And as it was going on, I was just like, yes, yep. Yes. Just like, as a kind of like continue, I was, I was just like, man, this movie is really fucking well done and it's its own. It takes the idea or the concepts of whatever Suspiria was trying to do in 77 and modernized it without like, you know, ruining the original. I think if you love the original, you might not like this one and vice versa. Uh, I just feel that this movie stands on its own. I, I I loved it. I thought it was really great. And going back to the comment of people being like, oh, it's not like subtle enough or like debasing themselves or whatever. It's like, who, who's to say? It's like, who's to say there's a limit to like any subtlety? I think that what's going on in Berlin at this kind of chaoticness of the world of the old or the young generation taking over for what their uh, parents have done. And especially yeah, that, that also that parallels the actual yeah. plot of the movie too. Parallels the yeah. plot of them. Uh, and, yeah. and suddenly you can see in the, you know, millennials taking over what the baby boomers have done for the past, you know, God knows how many decades. It's like all of that is like such a timely thing to explore. Uh, I, I thought it was fucking great, you know? Um, right. Um, I, I, I was locked in the whole time. I, I really found this movie to be awesome. Yeah, and it, it really, that final, like, when it gets really horror at the end, that sequence is just so batshit. I, I can't stop thinking about that scene. People's it's great. It's very like, bloody. It's, it's the, it's the, and I think that I would have read online, it's like, people are, are um, like, on the fence about that. Like, are those necessary, ridiculous? And people in the theater that I was watching it were, like, laughing. I don't huh. think laughing is that was funny. Laughing, like releasing this tension of like, holy fucking shit. Like this is so ridiculous. I think if you weren't paying close enough attention, it could seem kind of out of left field or, um, what do I say? Like a little over the top, but no, I, I think that like it was right on the money for what, what was happening in this movie and the path that was going down for this very bloody, not final scene, but pretty much a climax of the movie to happen is like, yeah. Yeah, and then the actual this, final scene, this is spoiler territory, but we can talk about it. I want to talk about it for a second, because it's actually a funny connection between the two Amazon things, Homecoming and this. The mm. the idea of, of memories and, and, mm. and the wiping of them. Because the final sequence is kind of, I think it's open to interpretation, whether mm. or not you think it's like a happy, quote-unquote, happy ending for, for Joseph. Because at the end... Um, uh, spoiling everything, uh, uh, Dakota, sure. jo Dakota Johnson's character ends up being Mother Suspirium, who mm. is, you know, the high, the most powerful of the witches. There's three witches, the Three Witches Trilogy or whatever it's called. The Three Mothers Trilogy, which is what um, 
in the original Dario Argento in Suspiria, uh, Suspiria Inferno, and Mother of Tears. There's mother, there's those those three there's those three whatever are referenced in this movie. Um, so it's uh, she turns out to be one of them, and as I think it's also implied, you can't really you're not supposed to know whether she was that way the whole time or like was became that way once she was there um but at the end she shows up at the with the old man and just kind of explains to him what happened to his uh his lover or his wife who like got lost during the holocaust and you can kind of he has very he has he has guilt about it he i think Mm -hmm. i think it's implied that you know it's his fault that she didn't survive the holocaust like he didn't take he feels that way like yeah yeah, they kind of they uh were separated. They kind of stayed there for too long and yeah. didn't really think it was. Yeah. And then by the time they realized they had to get out, it was too late. They were separated and had no idea what happened to her. Yeah. And then the end scene is her explaining all this, what happened to her and him being devastated. And then she wipes his memory of all of it, including the, the horrors that he had just seen at the end, because basically she makes him a witness at the very end to all the horrible things that happened in mm-hmm. with the witches and the church that we're mm-hmm. not going to spoil too much. But sure. uh, the ending is – it's kind of dark, like the wiping of the dude's memory. Like what is – I think I read a quote from the director being like he doesn't think it's a happy ending at all. He's like, mm. you feel that something good has happened to a beloved character, but in truth it's a monstrous act. Without memory, even the most painful, we are nothing. We are not human. So the person who wipes off the memory is really the villain. And I yeah. thought that was interesting. Um, Very interesting, yeah. And, and, and the, like the last shot before the, uh, the end credits is that – drawing those on the house a little heart that him a plus j but also but also like it, it, the last scene is like pretty much modern i mean people are standing outside that house talking on cell phones so if it isn't exactly today it was like more recent and like i thought it was an interesting way to end it to be like and here we are in the future now where all of this has been completely forgotten and the only thing left is this little piece of graffiti this a plus j and a heart thing that all these people are walking around it, like talking on phones and yes, just being modern here. people having, and everyone has no idea what any of that means. Yeah. I have a quote for that too. This if is people the, notice it, they'll have, they'll never know what the, what the, the context of that is. This is the writer of the movie. Uh, the imprint of their tragedy was there, but the people around them didn't quite see it for what it was. And the place seemed to be thriving with a new community. There's a sadness to that. The idea that once you lose the context, you lose the meaning of things like that. That further illustrates why what Susie does at the end of the film to Klemperer might be something quite sinister. Yeah. And I think, and I think that that still falls in line with um, this idea of Germany in, in, in flux and the old and the new, the, the old being taken over by the new. You get that only, not only in the, the city of Germany and probably all of Europe, but also in this uh, ballet studio where uh, they are priming Susie to eventually take over the, the position, the, ma- the matriarch of the dance studio played by Tilda Swinton, Swinton. And this idea of like, you know, this stuff happens in cycles. Like the new replaces the old and that's it. Like that's, that's the cycle of life, whether you like it or not, you know, and, and, and to end on that little like thing of like, you know, a loves J or whatever to be like, yeah, that, that house was once a place where a loving couple lived. And it was also the house where they were torn apart and it had a lot of emotion for him. He keeps returning to that house and they keep coming back to it to be like, this is a very important place that has, that holds a lot of memory for him, both good and bad. And then, you know, whatever, 40, 50, 60 years later, it's just another house that no one who lives there or walking past has any idea about it and probably doesn't care. Yeah, I thought it was a really powerful movie as well. I think a lot of people, um, people aren't going to like it and that's fine. 
I I thought it was good. I think we didn't really talk about like the actual plot of it. Like, it's just it's a movie. You know, if you've seen the original, it's kind of the same general outline of like a chick shows up at a ballet studio and. Uh, well, in this one, she actually kind of becomes a witch, I guess. But uh, the other one, she kind of just experiences the witchery. But um, there's a lot yeah, of this cool... one. This one, she's more like involved. I feel like the witch experience like just shows up and is like tortured. But this one, it's like the characters are all like working hard. And I, I also thought that there was an interesting like uh, mother the... daughter. Oh yeah, woman. The... Oh, absolutely. The, the, the dynamic becoming a woman, sort of this this dance because the dancing sequences are not. I mean, it reminded me of the sequences in uh, Black Swan, where it's like you're hearing muscles stretch and 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 yeah. joints crack and knuckles, and and it's just like the dancing in it is just like really like, for lack of a word, like brutal. Yeah. And like it's it's the twisting and, and and the motions of it. It's like these these women are are like putting themselves through hell and this competition with each other yeah. and their own bodies to, to please these women of, of the studio who are like almost like getting off on uh, torturing them in some weird way. And, and it has a lot to do with like, you know, uh, well, girls the, becoming yeah. women and, and, yes. and, 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 and their, um, and, and, and like the guidance and like, you know, the, these, these women who should be like treating them like, like mothers are, are almost like, torturing them and, and, and well yeah the, the, the old women witches are trying to basically find a vessel for for their master that's like a you know a younger better body i feel like because like she's like yeah. this fat blob of a but again yeah. like you think about the way that you know like the older generation that's now in charge the baby boomers and trying to find a way in this society with their old boring companies and their old political values and their old, you know, ways of doing things and trying like the only really whenever they like look to someone who's young, it's it, in any one of these contexts for political or, or economical. It's always like, Hey, be more of what we are, or, you know, like, and they abuse their power in a way that's like not helping. And that's why I loved at the end of this movie when, uh, I mean, we'll talk about spoilers when she pretty much reveals who she really is and fucking kills and bloodily destroys all these like older women who are like on the on the on the current mother's side. It's just like so cathartic to be like, yeah, fuck you. You're done. Like we are we are done with you and New your order, old. motherfuckers. Yeah. yeah. And it's not pretty. I mean, I, I, th I just thought it was it's so um, like the payoff was so good because there's this part in the movie we're going to we're going to label spoilers because at this point I want to talk about it. Yeah. That we're, we're even though it's like this long shot of like people getting ready to like have this big group like breakfast or whatever in the in the in the in the ballet studio. You overhear this audio of them voting yeah. like do we want Miss Blanc to be uh to be the new leader or are we going to stick with Mother Marcos and it's like Blanc Marcos Marcos Blanc Mar like yeah. just like, you know, like what are they voting on really? But then that comes around just pretty much as they're going around deciding who lives and who dies. It cuts to the shot of the, yeah. the person that they voted for Marcos or Blanc and everyone who voted for Marcos. You're fucking done. That's why it's just so satisfying to be like in so many ways to be like the new order is here and the old way, the old corrupt way where they took – they abused these these girls and they, and they abused the system of witchery and all this stuff's going on outside. It's like none will be spared. And that is also what it was like in Germany in 77. It's like all of you who sided with the Nazis, you're fucking done. And it's brutal. The RAF is torturing and kidnapping and killing all these people. Like you will not go quietly. Like we will find out what side you are on and you will be dealt with swiftly and violently. What an interesting way. Like 
Who saw this coming from a Suspiria? I know, that's what I'm saying. I I enjoyed the roller coaster of like, wow, this is this is this is what they chose to do with with Dario yeah. Argento's original. Yeah, why should it be with the idea of like, oh, it's not subtle enough? It's like, why should it be? Why? Who, yeah, who cares? I'm with you. I'm with you. I think I think it's a great way. I had a great time to... watching this movie, oh, <laughs> even though really it's two and a half great. hours long. I didn't even mind. I, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to watching it again because once it kind of connects on what this movie's all about, it's like fuck, I want to see this again. And is the Volk dance an actual like famous thing? Or was it was made up. No, for... it was made up, but it was uh, all. I think her character was based off that they made that movie about her, Pinna. What's that movie? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to remember the name. It's a Wim Wenders movie, Pinna Bosch. She's supposed to, it's, it's that character uh, is based on that woman, and I think the dance is also kind of based on uh, oh, okay. that type of dance. I mean, there, there, typical internet fashion. There is some think pieces about how Suspiria depicts the horrors of the ideal woman, written for Polygon about. 11 hours ago, which I was kind of glancing over about talking about one of the things that also is a, a famous movie is that as uh, it, it talks about like the unfair uh, standards that are constantly put on women and how they are in a, unattainable and the fact that women trying to be the perfect in the eyes of other women in the world, like it's at, it's at the, um, the detriment of other women around them as Susie becomes more and more primed to take over this dance studio and become the lead. Literally one of her contemporaries is ripped apart, you know, as she's dancing, you know, and like yeah. as has this whole like uh, potential subtext of that and, 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 and motherhood. And there's just so much going on in this movie that people are, are gravitating towards, which I love. I just yeah. think it is. Did Mo so like it? Uh, she did not see it. Mm. She stayed. Okay. She had stuff to do, but I think she would like it. I'm, I'm looking forward yeah, I to watch it. it again at home. Yeah, definitely. So I, I uh, it's definitely uh, one of the best of the year for me. I, I can, can, could not recommend this movie enough. Sorry if I ruined it, but for those of you who have seen it, I'm sure you agree with yeah, me. Yeah, this... it'll be interesting to hear what people say when, once it's on Amazon <laughs> and people are watching it. Yeah, it's a sh- it's a shame that it's only in a, a handful of theaters. But I, I yeah, can see they really botched the rollout. They didn't even they didn't even put it out on Halloween. It was in it was in one uh, one theater on Halloween. It was in New York in one theater, and like that's it in the whole country. It's like ridiculous. They if they put it in theaters by Halloween, they would have just at least gotten a few, you know, a couple extra million because it was on Halloween. But they didn't do it. Uh, so dumb. Um, but I think that's it, and we'll be back we next. Have, right. Well, we have we have a winner to crown. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. This whole thing. Do it. Uh, all right. So for those of you who don't know, we put up a post on my Instagram with a really boss ass. Uh, uh, Halloween poster done by Adam Jurescu, who is uh, 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 really he did a bunch of posters that you like that are hanging in your uh, bedroom and and uh, the in the NYC New Flesh HQ. Yes, so like them. So thought, why don't we just do a little giveaway for the fan for the true fans to hit us up? We had a lot of likes and a lot of fun comments on us. So I'm just gonna scroll up, scroll down, scroll up, scroll down, and I'm going to pick who did I pick here? The winner is uh, going to give it to my man Wes Keown. Am I pronouncing that right, Wes? Wesley Keown. Wow. Who, is, who uh, had a nice comment about the hashtag horror lifestyle and uh, has been a fan. I think what was been his down comment? Well, it's what very is- long. I'm not going to read it. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, fan of the pod. Reach uh, out to Joe and give him Wes. your address. I'll hit you up. We'll send and you the Kevin, poster. I think I have your address in my DMs, but message me again and remind me. 
and uh, I'm sending my uh, I'm setting an alarm for the af- right after this episode to remind my remind me and Joe to buy this tomorrow and send it out. We're gonna yeah, do yeah. it. We're gonna so do it. Welcome to Joe West. Thanks a lot. Thanks for everyone for contributing. We love you guys, and we will have more fun stuff like this coming up next week episode ish i know that we have a interview planned with the writer and director of cam girl i believe we have definitely the writer direct one of the writers and uh, the director daniel goldhaber and i believe the writer will also be here the the, the former cam girl herself um, and the movie's called cam not cam the movie's girl, called cam and it's on netflix uh this friday actually the 16th so watch it and then monday if all goes according to plan i will have the we will have the writer and director here uh the writer's name is uh isa mazi and Mm. i'm excited to have them and i hope it pans out and if not joe and i will have um an episode on it anyway or we'll do the turkey shoot early but we'll uh we'll figure it out and we'll see you next week thanks for listening everybody bye Death is not the end of the new flesh. Mom of the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back.